Welcome to Live Well with Southwell. Southwell is dedicated to helping you be equipped with the best tools and knowledge to make sure you and your family live a healthy life. Live Well with Southwell features interviews with experts across many areas of healthcare and wellness. We hope you enjoy listening and most importantly, living well. Hi, everyone. I'm your host, Liza Tillman, and today we are joined by Dr. Andrew Nakashi, a general surgeon who has recently joined our team at South Georgia Surgical. We'll be talking with Dr. Nakashi about the role the surgeon plays in breast cancer care and treatment. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah. So as usual, we want to learn about our guests. Um, tell us a little bit about your family, where you're from, and your educational background. Sure. I'm originally from Jacksonville, Florida, okay. uh, moving down from Michigan. Um, I've got a wife and two kids. My wife actually accepted a job at Tift Regional as yeah. well, or Southwell. Yes. <laughs> um, now, and um, she's one of the pediatric hospitalists. I got a three-year-old and a nine-month-old, so wow. that's why I look so tired. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're not sleeping at night, are you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But a huge Jaguar fan. I've got Jaguar season tickets, so I, I go to Jaguar all the time. That's right. It's game day. So. Yeah. Okay, that's yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah. So tell us about your educational background. So I went to uh, the University of Central Florida um, for undergrad, went to University of South Florida for a master's, and then went to med school in West Virginia where I went, met my wife, and then uh, did residency up in Michigan at Henry Ford. Okay. And I'm straight out of residency coming down here. Hey, well, so, I know, like I said earlier, we are excited to have you. I know that you are busy already, right? Yeah, happy to be here. Yeah. Yeah. Taking over the whole breast surgery practice is a lot, but it's fun. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, um, that kind of leads into my next question. How long have you been with us at Southwell? How many how many weeks has it been? Months? Ooh, so weeks? this is my <laughs> second week. Yes. Wow, we're second really week. getting yeah, you. Yeah, you're getting me early. Yeah, second weekend. Um, and yeah, like I said, busy. That's busy, great. Busy. I, that, that's wonderful. I know you're fulfilling a need that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, so can you tell us about the services that you offer to your patients at South Georgia Surgical? Yeah, so uh, I do all the general surgery things, gallbladders, hernias, um, uh, uh, thyroids as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, I take over the breast practice from Dr. Johnson, who's well known in the area. Yeah. Um, and uh, one of my interests is robotic surgery. That's how I was trained is robotic surgery. And that's basically uh, high tech laparoscopic surgery. Okay. So um, the it's it's not a push of the button like some people think for robotic surgery. I <laughs> yes, control not all an actual stuff. robot yeah. doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's uh, it decreases the pain after uh, hernia surgeries and uh, makes colon operations a little bit easier to recover from. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, let's go into our topic for today, which is breast cancer. So this is going to air during Breast Cancer Awareness Month. So it makes sense that that we'll talk about that. So can you start by telling us the role that a general surgeon plays into treating breast cancer? Yeah, so um, we we are one part in in many. Sure. Um, There's actually a tumor board that goes over all breast cancer cases, um, any any new diagnosis. Um, And that tumor board consists of the radiologist, the pathologist, the medical oncologist, and the radiation oncologist, along with the surgeon, Mm -hmm. along with a multitude of uh, people that uh, the patient will interact with during during their time uh, through their uh, cancer diagnosis. Um, as far as the surgeon, uh, I'd be the, well, one of the first people you meet after you get your, uh, mammogram. If the mammogram is concerning, mm-hmm. we do the biopsy afterwards, either under an ultrasound or under mammogram. And then we would do the surgery that would be indicated afterwards based on that pathology that comes back. Okay. So what does surgery look like for a breast cancer patient? 
So there's uh, several different kinds of surgeries. So once you're diagnosed with breast cancer, um, the decision would be uh, either a partial mastectomy where we take part of the breast um, or a total mastectomy where we take uh, the entire breast tissue. Each surgery comes with taking a couple of the lymph nodes and the lymph nodes are um, just little uh, uh, basins in the armpit. Um, and if the cancer had spread, that would be the first thing that it goes to. So we make sure that it doesn't spread by taking those lymph nodes in the surgery. But uh, it depends on uh, your original diagnosis, whether or not you're a candidate for taking just part of the breast versus uh, the entire breast. Okay. Yeah. So like you mentioned, you're kind of the first person that a patient will see after mm -hmm. their diagnosis. So you would talk them through all of these different things. And, um, and then they'd be kind of following along with other people after that. That's right. And so when a patient sees me in the office, um, I present them with this algorithm. We follow a very simple algorithm um, uh, that is set off by the National Cancer Society. Um, and I walk them through. I highlight which step they are on. And I get them from that first step. And hopefully at the end, I'm giving them the last step, which is just follow up and uh, remission steps. So. Okay. Do you deal with reconstruction or do they go to the plastic surgeon for that? Yeah. So uh, most everybody that we offer the uh, total mastectomy mm -hmm. on, um, I usually send them off to the uh, plastic surgeon. Okay. Um, the plastic surgeon and I work together uh, to do that reconstruction either immediately or after the surgery. And the plastic surgeon kind of decides on who's a candidate for that. Um, so if uh, you're going to get radiation after treatment, then usually that reconstruction happens afterwards. Okay. Mm -hmm. So speaking about breast cancer specifically, how important is it for women to get screened for breast cancer? So very important. This and uh, colon cancer are the two things that we're very good at preventing um, or catching uh, these cancers really early, and that allows them to be treated. Yeah. Uh, you know, the mammograms and uh, are, are very important to get on an annual basis. And there's a bunch of different guidelines as to uh, what you should get. And there's one called the USPSTF, a lot of letters. Oh, yeah. Um, and then the uh, National Cancer Society or the American Cancer Society um, that uh, tells you basically there's a lot of wording there, but tells you at age 40, you should be getting annual mammograms. Mm -hmm. Um, and that should continue until you're about 75 at 75 it's uh, plus minus. You can get annual mammograms or biennial mammograms if you want. Um, but we recommend it at least to the age of 75. Okay. Who's at an increased risk for breast cancer and when, how do you know if you should get your mammogram earlier than 40? So, uh, certain people, um, really, uh, genetically are the people at risk. Um, we ask a series of questions. It's called a Gale model. Mm -hmm. Um, and that, uh, model asks, uh, when was their, uh, when was their first period? Um, how old were they at their first, uh, when they had their firstborn, if they've ever been pregnant, if they ever took, uh, oral contraceptives, all those, um, have different variations of risk for, uh, breast cancer, um, at a later age. Um, but the, the genes that we look after, uh, if you have of uh, two first degree family members is the BRCA one and two gene. That's the one that's uh, most well known. There's a couple new genes that are coming out there that we test for as well, but that's the one that you'll hear the most. Uh, it actually runs in my family. My mom's got BRCA one. Oh wow! And so uh, I need to be tested because I have two baby girls and that can be passed on to them. So um, that BRCA gene gives you a high risk for breast cancer, 20% uh, in your lifetime. 
And uh, so it's something that we start considering prophylactic mastectomies at that point, which is what my mom got as well. Really? I was yeah. about to ask. I, mm-hmm. I've, I've known several people who have done that. And how how does somebody kind of come to that decision? Who, who do they make that decision with? What does that conversation so it's, look like? It's a conversation for sure in the office um, uh, because at the same time, that BRCA gene is uh, a risk for ovarian cancer as well. So a uh, hysterectomy and, and an oophorectomy are taking out your um, your um, uterus and your ovaries is part of that whole prophylaxis. And so it, younger people don't usually like to go after that because they're childbearing age and they want to have children. Mm-hmm. So people that are a little older that don't necessarily want to have their uterus or, <laughs> or right. ovaries, then, um, they, they're more apt to make that decision. Okay. So, uh, it's a conversation. And just to clarify for our audience, what does prophylactic mean? So prophylactic means it prevents it. So you don't necessarily have cancer at that point, but it prevents you from getting it in the future. Okay. So how effective is this prophylactic mastectomy? Is it really eliminating your chance of can- your breast cancer in general? Mm-hmm. So uh, nothing in medicine is 100%. Right. <laughs> so I always say 99%. Um, even doing a complete mastectomy, uh, every textbook will tell you that you're taking 99% of the breast tissue because it's not as easy as just go in there, take out this area. Breast tissue can sometimes look like fat tissue and getting up uh, high enough to, to take all the breast tissue is sometimes difficult. And so 99% of the breast tissue is, is the goal. And so there's still that 1% chance that that little portion of breast tissue can have cancer in it, but it's over, I would say over 99% effective. And are you followed after you've had a mastectomy, I'm assuming, to... A, a prophylactic mastectomy to make sure that nothing's kind of creeping in. So down the road, uh, you can be followed a, a number of different ways, but uh, actually your screening is, is not necessarily recommended. Okay. Um, there's, uh, there's some evidence out there for MRIs, but it's very poor evidence at this point. Okay. Um, but yeah, uh, no screening is necessary after that. So how do you start the process for if you want to get tested for the BRCA gene? How does that work? Yeah. So uh, unfortunately, I have to talk about insurance and that's not something I like to talk about. usually. I know. But, yeah. Um, uh, the insurance company will pay for it if you have those uh, risk factors of having two first degree relatives, okay. um, which I have. So I would go get it and I and I would have that paid for by my insurance. But that's the only way it would be covered. Um, it's also the only reason to get tested. Um, no reason to, to fret over it if you haven't had that family history of it. Okay. How can women check themselves for breast cancer? I know that we're, it's important to do uh, monthly self-breast exams, things like that. What should we be looking for? So, uh, yeah, monthly self-breast exams. Uh, you know, anytime you're in the shower, uh, feel your breasts and uh, look out for any kind of lumps. Lumps in your breasts, but also lumps in your armpits as well. Okay. Um, so those are things to look out for. There has been some debate in the literature about whether or not self-breast exams are still necessary really? um, because people got freaked out a little bit by them and they got these unnecessary biopsies and biopsies of your breast increase your chance of breast cancer. Um, So uh, that's why they've kind of gotten off of that a little bit. Mm -hmm. But uh, if you uh, feel like you can uh, take the nervous energy and uh, do your self-breast exams, then it's probably okay. But I I think anything that we talk about in these podcasts, it, if you, ha- if you feel like something's wrong, it's okay to ask your doctor about exactly. it. And, and that's, and people like you and, and your primary care physician are gonna, should be pointing you in the right direction, helping you make those decisions. Yeah. And that's somebody I didn't mention in that first, uh, uh, discussion about the tumor board and who's involved. The primary care doc isn't involved in those tumor board discussions, but they are your first line of defense because sure. they're the ones ordering those screening mammograms. Mm-hmm. And you should ask for those screening mammograms to be uh, ordered at that age of 40. 
So um, they're very on top of that. And especially around here, they're very uh, willing to help us. And I would imagine not just with breast cancer, but with most things, it's so important to see your primary care physician year after year so they can kind of track any changes, right? To see if your breasts have changed or to see if anything has has changed in your life. Yeah, and it's hard for me as a 33-year-old who is... Uh, doesn't see the doctor regularly because I don't necessarily need to, but at that age of 40, mm-hmm. um, you should be seeing every year uh, for both your mammograms and your colonoscopies that are need to start at age 50. Mm-hmm. All those things are very important to get for prophylaxis. Thanks so much for joining us today, Dr. Nakashi. To schedule an appointment with Dr. Nakashi, visit mysouthwall.com or call 229-382-9733. Thank you for listening to this episode of Live Well with Southwell. If you have a question for a healthcare expert or a topic you'd like us to discuss, send an email to info at myselfwell.com. Until next time, live well.